Hello again, everyone. How's everybody doing? It's been a while. It's been a while. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a little bit since I did one of these. I don't know, like a month, month and a half. How long has it been? Most of you probably know that I've just been busy making videos for my YouTube channel. Um, and also, like I said, um, I do these podcasts when uh, when something hits me, when I feel like I have something to say, because it is a longer form outlet. And so uh, I just want to make sure I got something worthwhile to bring to you whenever I do these things. And so um, I'm back. And um, I've got a topic, obviously, but I think if you're listening to this when it comes out, which is on Wednesday, March 25th, uh, you are in the middle of the big coronavirus pandemic. You are most likely uh, self-quarantining yourself or uh, as it's as it's happening around where I live, you are being ordered to stay home. Um, businesses are closing down, except for you know grocery stores and essential places like that. And it's a fucking weird time. But if you've been a metalhead for as long as I have, it's also kind of a pretty fucking metal time because it's like, oh my god, there's a there's a pandemic and we're quarantined. This is like lyrics right out of a fucking death metal song. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today, folks. We are going to be talking about death metal. And as usual, this is death metal from my point of view. So my introduction to death metal was around 1992-ish. And at that point, I was already listening to a lot of metal and a lot of thrash metal and some stuff that is bordering on what you would consider death metal. So obviously like Slayer and Sepultura. Um, and, and, and not only that, like it was a really interesting time, 1992, especially for a young person really getting into to metal and rock and everything that was happening because there was a fucking lot happening. Because not only did we have you know, Metallica and all the thrash metal shit that was going on. We also had Nirvana that had fully come out at that point, and the grunge thing was happening, which I was into. You also had bands like Faith No More. Across the board, there was this amazing variety of heavy music that you could choose from, and I was fucking choosing all of it. I, I was enjoying the fuck out of it. And then I heard my first death metal song, which... I'm not entirely sure because, you know, I'm 42, my brain's starting to get a little foggy with the, with the details about what happened when, but my first death metal song was either Infected by Obituary from their album Cause of Death, or Hammer Smashed Face by Cannibal Corpse from Tomb of the Mutilated. I like to think that it was Hammer Smashed Face because... What a fucking intro to death metal that is. I could like turning that on it. I'm you know, it's like, holy fuck, what have I gotten myself into? But uh this was all happening at a time when me and my small group of friends were all experiencing the same thing. We were all getting into all of this music and we were all trying to beat each other to the punch. It was all like, yeah, that's a really great band, but have you heard this yet? Like that's that was the the trump card. Like it's all like you played me this really great thing, but you know what? You haven't heard this yet, have you? And if you hadn't heard it yet, then you were the ultimate metal badass of that particular day. 
So um, I think the reason why death metal became a very special thing for my friends and for me in particular around that time was because it seemed like we were discovering it as it was occurring. So all this other music, you know, the thrash metal, you know, that I was really getting into, and even grunge, like you would listen to it and then you would immediately find out, oh, this has been happening years before um, with other bands and and you're just kind of catching on to it now. Now I realize that death metal, if you want to trace it back, was happening in the early 80s and uh, before I had fucking heard it, but... I don't know. That that wasn't the feeling that we got. We got the feeling that this music was for us because while a lot of other metal was getting popular and it seemed less special, this was a metal that was too extreme for a lot of people. And so it seemed very special. Like we were the ones that found this and we get it. And these motherfuckers that are jumping on the bandwagons of Metallica and whatever else, you play them this shit, and they're like, that's just a bunch of fucking noise and grunting. And we're like, yeah, you don't fucking get it. So it felt like it was ours. Other people didn't get it, and that's great. So um, so once we discovered it, and I, honestly, I don't know which which friend of mine was the one. It wasn't me. Like It was, it was played to me by one of my friends. And once we fully got into it, then it became the hunt. The hunt was on to find death metal bands. So first off, you would go to record stores, and just like you did with like a lot of thrash metal, you would look at album covers, and you would look at death metal logos. This is when it became the thing where like you would look at these logos and be like, what the fuck does that say? And that's a gnarly-looking fucking logo. That's got to be good. I'm going to try that one out. And then on top of that, you had magazines, metal magazines. You would go to the back of a metal magazine, and sometimes there would be a list from some record label of all their releases they had that you could order. You know, not online. You could order them by writing down on a fucking piece of paper and mailing it in with your money and getting it back. But you would look through those lists and just find the gnarliest names that you could find and be like, oh, that, I don't even know what this sounds like. But goddammit, I'm going to buy this and hopefully it's something that's going to fucking blow my mind. And we would do something that we refer to as calling, which means like you would find a band and you would say, I call this band, which means you are the first person that's going to get to buy something or everything by that particular band so you can be the one that discovers it. And it was a big deal. It's like, I'm going to discover this band and I'm going to show you the shit. And so it was a little bit of a competition and, you know, for, for albums, t-shirts, whatever, you know, it's like you, you didn't want to get the same t-shirt as your friend. And so it was a very important thing when you were 14 years old, you know? And so we dove headfirst into the world of death metal, listening to, let's get ready, Cannibal Corpse, Obituary, Deicide, Malevolent Creation, Atheist, Carcass, Entombed, Cancer, Benediction, Pestilence, Gorguts, Morgoth, Autopsy, Cynic, Napalm, Death, Dismember, Suffocation, Bolt Thrower, and of course, Death. These were all bands that we were getting into. And um, my particular band that I found that I loved was the band Morbid Angel. Now, I had first heard Morbid Angel on a uh, an access television show, which if you don't know what access television stations are, folks, it was basically like city 
funded television stations where anyone could could you know reserve time and put on a show and they had a whole studio and everything and there was this guy uh, named Dave Pruitt I say was is he's still alive and he did a couple shows on one of the access channels and one of them was called Raw Time I, I'm probably I probably talked about this before on another podcast but Raw Time was a show that played all the videos that MTV didn't want to play for the most part. So you saw, you know, like Two Live Crew, um, you know, Nine Inch Nails, Happiness and Slavery, but you also saw things like Death Metal. And I remember seeing the uh, video that was like a li- live footage put to the actual album track for the song Immortal Rights from the first Morbid Angel album. And I was like, this is fucking cool. And then shortly after that, in 1993, uh, Morbid Angel released the album Covenant, and they premiered the music video for the song Rapture on Headbangers Ball. And I was immediately like, "This is fucking insane!" Because it, it, it was there was something about it because it was it was so well done and so heavy. But at the same time, like it was also produced pretty well. Like it, like some death metal you would find, and it was a little bit iffy. But Morbid Angel, like you know, as I found out later, were signed to a major label essentially, and they got Fleming Rasmussen, who did uh, Ride the Lightning and, and Master of Puppets, to fucking record their album. And so it sounded really fucking good. And I'm like, I'm all about this. I'm all over this fucking band. And they were the band that I quote unquote called and I fucking loved them I, I still love them today although I don't like them with the other vocalist I'm, I'm a David Vincent guy even even after he did his fucking country album I don't give a shit but um funny enough you know, my friends didn't seem to be that into Morbid Angel but you know whatever I had found you know my band of the genre um but I would have to say that even though I love Morbid Angel the the death metal band that made the biggest sort of dent in that part of my life was the Bandia side. And that's because, to me, they were the most extreme that you could get. Because the music, the production, the 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 riffs, everything seemed so aggressive and in-your-face. And then you had Glenn Benton, who was the most in-your-face frontman of a death metal band. He had a fucking, well, I guess he still does, has a fucking upside-down cross burned into his forehead. They sang all about Satan in a very serious way, where you were like, sometimes you would, you're you Slayer, and you're like, ah, oh, that's cute. And then with the aside, it was like, these guys may be sacrificing some sort of animals. I, I, I'm not sure, but it gives me that vibe. And even if it's not true, the fact that they conveyed that to me I'm like, that's pretty fucking great. It's pretty fucking genius for a metal band to come across as that genuine in their evilness. And, and they scared people. This, this music scared people, which made it even better for me. Like, yeah, fuck you. You're scared? Yeah, you, you're an idiot. Get the fuck out of here. Um, so, <laughs> so I was enjoying myself. Just as a, as a little side note, though, um, since we're talking about Deicide and, and how their album sounded... A really important aspect of that era of death metal when we were all getting into it was the production. And almost all of the great death metal albums from that era, if you took the album and turned it over to the back cover, it I guarantee you it most likely says produced by Scott Burns. So that dude 
was really fucking important to the point where if you didn't know the band and you flipped it over and saw that Scott Burns produced it, you were buying it immediately. That that was enough. Because you knew that he made shit sound good and he seemed to always work with really fucking good bands. And, and, and let's talk about the bands for a second because obviously I'm talking a lot about the old school death metal you know, from the early 90s. And it, something that really sort of sticks in my craw when it comes to modern death metal is the fact that one... Everything's been so splintered up into all these sub-sub-genres of death metal where, sure, you've created a sub-sub-genre for one particular sound of death metal, but every band in that sub-sub-genre sounds exactly the fucking same. So, at the time, all of the bands that we were listening to were considered death metal, but none of them really sounded the same. Really, you tied it all together with with really fast, low-tuned riffs. Um, there was blast beats, there was fast double-kick drums, and most importantly, there was some incarnation of the death metal style vocal. But also, no vocalist sounded like another vocalist. Chris Barnes did not sound like John Tardy, did not sound like Glenn Benton, did not sound like David Vincent. If, you, if you're getting my point here. So even though all these bands had similar characteristics that lumped them into this death metal genre at the time, they were all doing their own thing. Eventually, even you had bands like Fear Factory, which when, when the first Fear Factory album came out, I totally loved it, but I considered it death metal. Not to mention you had bands like Death and Atheist that were becoming more progressive. And sure, now... When you talk about it, you go, okay, well, Death and Atheist became more progressive bands as they went on. But at the time, it was like, this is a death metal band, and they've just put out this different sounding death metal album, and it was all fucking good shit. We didn't hear elements by Atheist and then decide, oh, we have to come up with some sort of jazz death metal subgenre now. We were not bothered by that shit. And that's why these days when somebody says something about Wolverine Blues by Entombed and they're like, oh, that's when they became Death and Roll. No, you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> it's, it's still fucking death metal. It's, it's all of this other nonsense that has been dropped on the genre that is, that is just, I don't know. It's just made it not fun anymore. Because it was fucking fun. And on top of that, obviously nowadays because we have you know, better technology and better recording equipment. There's more of a of a weird obsession with getting everything perfect. And sometimes that's good. But one of the things that I always thought was really exciting about death metal was sometimes you would hear a song and the blast beat and everything was going really fast and the vocals would start to trail off to, to where they didn't have, they didn't actually go with the beat anymore. And it just made it seem even more extreme. Like, oh my God, at that part, they, they couldn't even fucking keep up with themselves. It was definitely not perfect. And, and that's why it was perfect. It was something new that was not yet mastered. It was all these different bands pushing the boundaries of this genre in their own way. Just, you know, just basically forging new ground. And God damn it, it was, it was so enjoyable while it lasted. And by that I'm just I'm not just referring to death metal becoming, you know, quote unquote unfun, but also, you know, around a certain time, probably around 95, 
Um, it seems like such a short fucking period of time, just a few years. And then all of a sudden I noticed that a lot of my friends were moving away from not only death metal, but metal in general. And I was still into this shit. I was still getting metal albums and, and I don't know. I, I never left music behind. A lot of people I know loved to leave music behind. They'd be like, Oh, we're not listening to that anymore. And I'd be like, why? I don't, I don't understand why we're not listening to that anymore. And I continued to listen to it forever. But unfortunately, death metal got very cookie cutter. And it still is. Like I said, there's a lot of bands that sound exactly the same. You could play five or six different bands with very similar names. And they all sound very similar to where I couldn't tell you which band is which. And that fucking sucks. There's no individual identities And then on top of that, more recently, over the past few years, there's been this quote-unquote new old-school sound, and even then, all those bands sound exactly the same. And so, I don't know. I don't know know what the answer is for death metal. I just know that it's gotten very boring. Now, of course, I still keep in touch. I was about to say keep in touch. I still keep in touch with Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> you know, we write we write letters. Um, no, but I still follow. I, I still I've loved everything Cannibal Corpse has done. I don't care whether it's with Chris Barnes or with George Corpse Grinder Fisher. It's all really great shit to me. Those guys still continue to put out amazing albums, in my opinion. Same with Obituary. I'm still on board with them. When it comes to like you know Deicide and Morbid Angel, they they've lost me. Um, over the years, and that's kind of unfortunate. By the way, I keep lumping those bands together because if you came to me and asked me what the big four of death metal is, I would quickly tell you it is Cannibal Corpse, Obituary, Morbid Angel, and Deicide. No, I did not list death because while they're an amazing band and they were at the forefront of the whole death metal thing, they quickly kind of moved beyond it and in my opinion they're they just they don't they don't get a slot they're right out they're right on the outskirts you know with with possessed you know they're 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 very important bands but you know i can only fit four guys fuck i'm sorry anyway but also other bands from that era over the years actually sort of became bands that i enjoyed more uh, uh, Gore Guts is a really great example. The 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 progression of Gore Guts over the years has been fucking amazing because they were already a great death metal band in the '90s, and then you know in the late '90s when they released Obscura, and then their most recent album, which God fuck, how many years ago did that one come out? It's been a while. Gore Guts, we need another album. Anyway, um, their progression has just been so amazing. They've become this progressive technical death metal band that every other progressive technical death metal band looks up to. But there are more recent bands that um, I think are really fucking good. I, I, I would be a fool not to mention Necrophagist. Um, I mean, if you've heard them, you know what I'm fucking talking about. Um, but then getting even more recent, uh, there's Skeletal Remains from California. They sound very old school, but... I really dig what they're doing. In fact, I did a Bands You Should Know video on Skeletal Remains over on my YouTube channel, so go check it out. But also, more recently, um, an album just came out from a band called Pestifer from Belgium. The album is called Expanding Oblivion. That's It's very technical, but it is death metal, and that's fucking great. 
There's another band called uh, Shards of Humanity. Their last album, Fractured Frequencies, is really fucking good. They're from Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, their new album comes out in April, actually. So if you follow my YouTube channel, you're most likely going to see a review of that album from me. But those are just a few recent death metal bands that I think are pretty fucking good. But, of course, I know there's probably a good amount of you out there who don't listen to death metal. But some of you maybe want to start and want to know the way in and and let let your old pal Steven shine a light for you. So here's some albums to check out. Um, Cannibal Corpse, The Bleeding, Obituary, Cause of Death, Morbid Angel, Covenant, Deicide, Legion. Then for those of you that want to get a little bit on the outskirts of, of, of what was going on with death metal, um, Atheist, their album Elements, very proggy kind of death metal. Uh, Carcass, Heartwork. You could draw a line to grindcore with this band, but it was fucking death metal. It still is death metal to me, and it is fucking amazing. Um, and then an album that is the only album that this band put out. The band is called Disincarnate, and the album is called Dreams of the Carrion Kind. It is one of my favorite death metal albums ever. Um, it's it's a band that was put together by James Murphy, who's a guitar player that played with fucking Obituary, with Testament. I mean, I mean, he's he's an amazing guitar player, and and that Disincarnate album is so fucking good. So I think that's enough to get you started. But I understand if it's too extreme for you, and that's part of why I love it because even today, death metal is too extreme for a lot of people. So it's still kind of fucking special. But at this point, it is kind of weird because the old folks still don't get it. It just so happens that the old folks are pretty much the same age as me. So, (laughs) But um, listening to all of these old school death metal albums, even today, still feels as invigorating as it did back when I was 14, 15 years old. It still sounds like... I have something special that a lot of people just don't fucking get. And that's why when I want to listen to some really fucking extreme shit, I don't go to anything that was made, you know, within the past 25 years because it's all there for me with these old fucking death metal albums. I don't really think there's any way to improve on it. And and a lot of the bands that are rehashing it, I, I, I think a lot of the charm has been lost. But you know what? Never say never. I'm an open-minded dude, and I want there to be a new crop of extreme boundary-pushing death metal bands that also retain their own identity and forge their own path without having to create another goddamn subgenre. All right. That's all I got for you for this week. Thank you once again for joining me for another episode of Old Head. I hope you're all staying healthy out there. At this point, I hope you're all staying inside, washing your hands. Just be fucking safe because as much as I like just sort of hanging out at home doing my own thing, I'd like to go to a record store again kind of soon. So don't be stupid, people. And if you're listening to this in the future, how did that whole coronavirus thing go? Anyway... If you haven't already, please go subscribe to my YouTube channel and follow me on all my social medias. Just search Old Head Podcast wherever you go, and I bet you'll find something. 
Anyway, that's all I got for this week or this month. Who knows? I'll be back. I'll be back at some point. You guys can't fucking get rid of me. Anyway, thank you for listening. I will see you all again next time. <laughs>